0: Rodney as some of you might know, and I'm a professor of communication science at the University of Johannesburg and also the head of the international office. And as usual, I have a fantastic debate of experts with me to debate the topic uh, for tonight. And, um, and I have a lot of guests online as well as I know, and I will get as many of you involved in the discussion as possible tonight, because I know this is a topic that concerns us all and has been hotly debated on many online platforms and for us over the last couple of months. So tonight, uh, firstly, I have a new new guest and a new colleague of ours uh, with me, and that is uh, Ms. Levo Lyon, who is a digital marketer and very apt to talk to tonight's uh, night's topic in many, many ways. She's a podcasting pioneer so has worked with online um, uh, platforms for a very long time. She's also what she calls herself a digital a digital philanthropist a strategist. And she has a passion for African issues and the African continent when it comes to the digital marketing sphere and digital, d- digital platforms and the technology that we are talking about tonight. Uh, so she comes with a lot of social media expertise and particularly then to the continent and Very interesting. Her uh, podcast, um, which is called uh, the uh, the Lebo Lion Podcast, is a very popular one, and I hope that she can also talk us through that and and what she does within the realm of a podcast later on tonight as well. So, a warm welcome to you, Lebo. It's lovely to have you with uh, to have you with us tonight, and I hope that uh, you will be able to contribute a lot to the discussion tonight. So, a warm welcome
1: to you thank you for having me i'm really excited to be here and i can't wait for this debate i've got a feeling it's going to be really spicy as i like to (laughs) to call it it. on instagram we're going to have a spicy conversation it's going to be a hot cup of tea, so I can't wait. Thank you for having me.
0: Lovely, 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 Lebo. And tonight we also have uh, Bongani with us. And Bongani Sitole is not new to this platform or to this forum of Cloud Debates at all. You've been with us before, Bongani, and it's lovely to have you here tonight as well. And Bongani is a tech entrepreneur and uh, focusing in of uh, technology in, uh, with a postgrad in computer science and she he has over 18 years experience in the technology business and uh, has built businesses up from the ground uh, and has also led uh, tech led startups across the African continent. So he is uh, once again, very well poised to talk to these topics. And particularly he has focused on uh, tech startups in in areas of health and financial technology and agro technology, which of course is very, very pertinent to to many of these topics that we have been debated throughout this cloud debate uh, series. Um, so, a warm welcome back to you, Bongani. It's lovely to have you here again.
2: No, thank you, and I'm also equally excited to be a part of this panel. Um, and yes, I think the topic that we will be discussing today is very pertinent to, um, you know, the, the current ways of uh, chatting, taking in consideration, you know, the lockdowns, obviously people are using remote ways to discuss, uh, you know, issues, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm really, really excited to be part of the panel. So thank you very much.
0: Great. A warm welcome to you, Bogani. And last but not least, a colleague of mine here at, at UJ, who's also not new to any one of us, who has been with us uh, with us before and is holding the fort for colleagues, uh, not only at the university, but also as, um, uh, from the academy perspective, because Prof. Marci is a research professor in the Academy for Computer Science and Software Engineering here at the University of Johannesburg. And he's the director of the Center for Cybersecurity at the university, as well as an associate director of the Global Cybersecurity Capacity Center at the University of Oxford in England. And he's a member of the World Economic Forum's Global Futures Council for Cybersecurity. So has a lot of insight into the particular issues around security when it comes to these messaging platforms and apps. So a warm welcome to you, uh, Professor von I'm absolutely chuffed to have you with us tonight.
3: Thank you very much. Um, we can see what comes out of it and uh, see if a again I can fluff some feathers Uh, As usual, but I think I agree with the other panellists. It is a very, very necessary and uh, needed discussion tonight.
0: Mm, Absolutely. No, thank you for for those words. So I'm going to launch straight into it. Uh, I've been on many of these messaging platforms for, for many, many years. I belong to many WhatsApp groups, for example, as a parent, as a, uh, within my professional capacity at UJ, um, community for us in the neighborhood where I live, well, family groups, et cetera, et cetera. Should I leave? What's the whole hong about? Why are we so scared and why are people panicking? Lebo, I'm gonna turn to you first. What's your sense? What is this discussion really about?
1: I think you've asked a really good question where you say, what's the whole hoo-ha about? You know, the news was covering what WhatsApp was doing. Really important and credible platforms covered this uh, issue of privacy at WhatsApp. But I don't get a sense from South African consumers that a lot of us who use WhatsApp actually understand what it means for our privacy to be at risk on platforms like WhatsApp, you know. And for me, as somebody who is a digital marketer and who helps business access opportunities online, the one thing about uh, WhatsApp and other social media platforms that I do have to point out is that the value of those platforms is in the community, right? And as those platforms have evolved, a lot of people have started to monetize those platforms as well. So they haven't only just used them as a relationship building and maintaining platforms where you speak to your friends and your family, but they've also used it to start businesses and to create communities for their businesses and build customer bases. So a lot of people are heavily invested in these platforms, you know? And I I, I have to ask myself and I've been asking my other colleagues, are people willing to trade all of the work that they've put into social media, all of the relationships that they've built on WhatsApp for privacy? You know, is it worth trading all of that work that you've done, all of the community building, all of your customers, is it worth trading all of that? for the sake of privacy. Do we as entrepreneurs who are online, online entrepreneurs, do we have the skills to move our communities from WhatsApp to other platforms? And I think for me, that's how I'm looking at it. Is is there enough of an incentive, is privacy enough of an incentive for people who've invested in WhatsApp and other social media platforms that support WhatsApp to leave simply because of privacy?
0: Well, thank you, very much. So There are two interesting things here. Eh? It's about the community, as you say, on the one hand, migrating out of a community, maybe, or the fear of migrating out of a community, losing that community vis a vis the privacy issues. And we're we going to come back to those privacy issues because that's really what, we've, what we are debating, as you say, you know. And, and I want to stay there for now. And I'm going to turn to you, Bongani. This idea of privacy is obviously the, at the heart of this. And is that really the whoa? Is it really the fear of privacy that we are debating?
2: Um, Yeah, I think that's an interesting question. Uh, And I really have been asking myself and just kind of like playing a devil's advocate here. Um, What are we losing, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And if I were to kind of like look at different types of people, you know, where they are, you know, talking to friends and family and some, some, uh, you know, you're using this platform for uh, entrepreneurship, um, you know, I ask myself, like, what is it that we are scared of losing, right? And just playing devil's advocate, number one. Number two is that um, if you take social media out of out of uh, out of out of this debate, and just to think about, like, people in any in any way they've been sharing content It's just not have been shared at scale. Uh, you know, because of the the you know the, the 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 platforms that we currently have, but in any case, people have been sharing content regardless. So my question then, you know, as as part of the debate, is what are we scared of sharing, right? Is there anything that if anyone were to get hold of your data, you would actually be concerned about it? And yes, I'm playing devil's advocate. Um, but the point that I'm trying to bring forward as a debate is what are people scared of, right? Um, number two would actually be the a, a view of like when my data is being shared, what's actually being sold, if you think about Facebook, I'm actually the entity that's being sold on the market. So Facebook is, is using me as a way to basically make money, right? And potentially that's one way of how people look at it that Facebook is actually making money through what I'm sharing, my personal data, but I'm not getting incentivized for it, right? So my question is really like, what are people scared of? Uh, and do they feel like these platforms are actually making money and they don't get a way to actually uh, share in that revenue scheme? And, and I'm just going to pause there as a, uh, as a, as a first comment.
0: I think that's really interesting so now we have we have thrown something else into the mix and that's of course why you know the why the commercialization of these platforms so so let's come back to that let's come back to the idea of community fear of losing community but then also what's the game you know what what's the commercialization aspects that sort of feeds this broader debate but before we get there I'm going to turn to to professor uh, from song what's the what's the horror about in your mind?
3: Uh, thank you very much. Um, I thought I was going to be the devil's advocate. Now we have two <laughs> of them on the panel. But I must say about the who are I think it's an absolutely and total overreaction from people. Yeah. The fact is, my point here is, is very much as follows. About everything, surely very, very little of our personal information is not already available in cyberspace. If you just look at the master deeds leak about two or three years ago, 60 million South Africans personal information records were leaked in there. Last year with the Experian data leak, 30 million South Africans personal information was leaked and it's out there. The cyber criminals have got that information. Facebook, has got a lot of that information. So the fact that this whole WhatsApp thing, I really think it's a flash in the pan. You know, sharing two or three more items with WhatsApp, while everyone have already, most of the people have got everything that you have got already. So I think we must think differently about the privacy issue. And and I am, my approach to this nowadays is, Expect that you are going to be attacked. Expect your personal data is out there. Expect that the cyber criminals has got it. and They're going to try to attack you through different attack methods to get to the more sensitive information, which they can't normally get on a hack, like your banking login information. To a big extent, that's what they're after. And that's not so easy to act like the other information. So they're going to use that information they have, and they're going to try to trick you into giving them that crown jewel information that they want. So instead of worrying whether I'm going to give another three elements of my personal information to cyberspace, we should change the mindset of people saying, expect the attack is going to come recognize it that strange phone call you're getting that is the attack recognize it and don't react to that so be more proactive against reactive by protecting my information try to thwart the cyber criminal by by sort of preempting and expecting him to come into your uh into your system, so when that phone rings, just say, "I'm a cybercriminal. I know it's you, and I'm not going to fall for you."
0: But isn't that just the the, the point here? And that is the, that that is my next question. What is the data that people are after? So, what is the data that is people are fishing for exactly? And you've alluded to some things, but for already in terms of banking details and so on. But when we are talking about these messaging services that we are using, whether it's for our community forum, the family group, the 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 you know the the classmates from 1988 or whatever it might be, uh, what's the data that we are scared to give up and what what are the fears around the data what specific data is it that we are so scared of losing and what is the data that for commercial uh, reasons
1: these companies are after it's it's data about customers you know um in the digital age in this age of apps and social media attention is the currency and understanding your customers is literally what makes your company valuable. It's what helps us design effective and successful strategies. It's what helps us design better products and services. So understanding your customer and having like, the, the smallest grain of information about them to the, to the tea, to what they, to what they like to drink when they wake up to, you know, their favorite food, when they pet walks into the kitchen, what they feed their pet, all of that kind of stuff, that kind of intelligent information. And you're seeing the use of that kind of data in things like Alexa, you know, and it's getting even smarter as the days go by because they're using more of that information to understand the customer really well and design Uh, experiences and products and services that suit that specific customer's unique needs and wants and desires. Mm -hmm. And that's really what uh, corporations are fighting for. They're fighting for our attention. They're fighting for our money, and they're going to get that money through our attention because they're trying to build a relationship with us by showing us that they know us. And how do they show us that they know us? Through the data (laughs) and through smart advertising and smart marketing that shows them that they understand what we want and then they gently suggest those things in, in the different ads that we see. And even when you're looking at companies like Facebook and how they own WhatsApp, they're really smart in doing that because they've actually extended or diversified their product offering or service offering, which means that People literally have so much more invested in using both of those apps. And there's so much value for, let's say, the entrepreneur who's got a business on Facebook to also use WhatsApp because they can get their customers to pay on WhatsApp. They can speak to their customers and build relationships on WhatsApp. Everything's fast, everything's convenient, and everything's customized for the individual. And that's what companies are competing for.
0: No, thanks for that. So, I think there are two things sides to this. So, on the one hand, as you say, the data then, and, and, and some people might actually say that you know this data about our consumer patterns, for example, I, you know, I'm I'm completely okay with that. That actually might benefit me uh, in the long run with smart technology. It's great because you know people will know then that I like non. Uh, uh, you know, I like bananas rather than, than, than apples. I, I, I want non-lactose free dairy, you know and not, uh, and not dairy or whatever it might be. And that benefits me and the fact that then the companies are targeting me and marketing me from from that perspective might be a good thing. But there's other data then that might not be so so innocent if people don't want to give it up and I'm going to be going to talk a little bit more I'm going to turn to you Nabogani and talk about that but on the other hand then on in in that sphere so that data we, 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 whether we're comfortable we giving up data about our consumer patterns or fearful of data being fished um, to 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 into our bank account for example or get more personal data. There's also another aspect to it, and that is then how these companies are selling that data on to third parties, for example. Okay. But let's stay with this data and the data that's being, you know, harvested in one way or the other. Mongani, whether we like it or not, this data which then harvests consumer patterns to the idea then that Prof. Uh, also already alluded to, the phishing for banking data, for example. What's the data that's being asked for here? What data is it that we stand at risk giving up?
2: Yeah, I think I think that's a that's an interesting question. I think when you look at uh, what is valuable uh, in these days, is if a, an individual can be able to get access to somewhat financial data, that is yeah. very valuable. The second one is medical records, right? Uh, if you look at how much um, these cyber, cyber guys, um, you know, who are fishing for this data, how much they are being paid to actually learn a lot more about, you know, historical medical data? It's actually lots of lots of millions that are that they are being paid for. So I think the idea to to uh, the professor, you know, what he said earlier, is the idea is, is not just to look for patterns but really is to uh, build a history of uh, you know, a lot of people that you can then be able to figure out how you can get uh, you know, medical records out of. You can be able to tap to different systems, but a place to fish basic data could be these social platforms, right? Like uh, WhatsApp, et cetera, et cetera. The data in itself in, in WhatsApp might not be as valuable, but it might actually give them access into other platforms to say, we now have, uh, you know, data of these people. How can we actually tap into other platforms to be able to fish a lot more uh, valuable data? And I think to what Leb was said, um, if you look at what AI is trying to do, really, it's about customizing, you know, people's access and what what they they need to um, what we can sell to them, which in a in a way it's, it's actually valuable, but. Um, the the crux of data access is really to get valuable data around financial, uh, financial records and also medical data because you know companies are actually paying huge, uh, huge money for that and I think that is a risk that we should actually ask ourselves that if you look at why Facebook bought uh, WhatsApp it's not because of Facebook is uh, uh, WhatsApp is valuable it's because of the contacts that are there. Right. And when you can get access to those contacts, it gives you access to a completely new world where you can then figure out how do I get bank accounts uh, of these people? How do I just send emails uh, to actually fish to eventually get access into the accounts? Uh, Can I get medical records? That's the crux of this privacy issue in my point of view. But uh, to my argument earlier, the question is like, what are we sharing? What are we worried about, right? Is it what we're sharing that's, that is important in my point of view? No. What is in, What I think is actually critical is if someone can get my data out of WhatsApp, what are they going to use that for? Can they get my medical history? Can they get my financial data? Yes, they can, because of they're going to use different... Uh, Uh, different channels, as opposed to WhatsApp, to be able to try and solicit that data. And that's where the issue of privacy comes in.
0: Mm -hmm. What's the risk here Prof. Solms? What is it that, uh, you know, how much at risk are we uh, when we use these platforms to actually give up the data that Pongani is talking about? The medical data and our own banking data, for example. Mm
3: Look, uh, I totally agree with, with, uh, with the two previous panelists. My, my feeling is we haven't seen the beginning of this privacy issue yet. There are two quotes that uh, at some international technical conferences was made, were made about a year or so ago. The one says, Industry 4.0, or the fourth industrial revolution, will expose the most personal data the world has ever seen. And it says artificial intelligence is at the top of this technologies of leaking personal information. So we're going to see much more of this. And I think the core of the point is the one that Bongani made is why am I worried about something, even even the fact that let's say I've got a pacemaker. Why am I worried about it? How can they use it against me personally? If they have a a whole hospital and they ransom the hospital for medical data, they can get big uh, ransoms that they can demand from that company. But from me as a personal person, what's the most important thing for me Mm -hmm. that I want to protect in cyberspace? It is the fact that I don't want to lose my money. That's core to me with all due respect. The fact that they know it's the name of my wife and my children, it is bad. I wouldn't like them to know that. But the fact that they will know it is a fact. And the fact that they can use it against me, that's also a fact. But on the other hand, you know, WhatsApp, uh, Facebook is for free. What do we as users expect to, to, to get this absolutely integrated free service today? WhatsApp is so integrated into our schools, teachers, parents, kids. You can't take it away. So you can't tell them, "Don't accept these conditions," because you're going. They're going to shoot themselves and everything in the food. A, a farmer found me the other day saying, "We've got this whole area is covered by WhatsApp groups uh, in terms of farmers and production, etc. We cannot stop it. So we shouldn't try to stop it." We should carry on using these platforms. We should accept our information is going to be leaked more and more, more and more. We should accept the countries, companies like Experian to which I trust my very personal information about my finances, that they should protect it. And they can't always do that. They try their best, but the hackers are shrewd. And they're going to get in there as they did and they're going to steal their data. And we're going to see more of that in the coming fourth industrial revolution. So we must, and and that comes back to my point, we must teach our children to be prepared for the attack. We must learn them about data, the importance of data. We must let them realize your data is going to be hacked. And we must create that frame of mind, that, that culture, that don't react to strange emails, don't react to strange uh, telephone calls because that is the way they're going to try to get to my very sensitive information. And I think if we look at the Poppy app, there's a classification of information. I think that's very, what they say, sensitive information, my ID, my name, my address, that's, that's as far as I'm going secondary to the fact I don't want them in my bank account. And they can only get in there with my cooperation, with the systems the bankers got nowadays, where they mu- you must answer them, the the, the um, message that you get on your phone. They can't get that at the moment. So that's what I must protect. And that's what I think I would like to, to learn and teach people to, about their privacy data. But I don't want to say it in so many uh, words. We should keep our digital profile as... Small as possible. That's a fact. It's always a fact. But I think, and I will say it, I think we've basically lost the battle to protect our personal information, and we must now be reactive in the sense of uh, proactive in the sense of expecting that it's going to be used mm. against us.
0: So I take your point, Professor Holmes, about you know teaching, teaching our children, uh, and and being wary ourselves of protecting our data. But isn't it, is it about leaks of data and us being uh, mindful of of protecting ourselves rather than these companies selling data on to third parties? I don't know, uh, Bogani Lebo, do you have thoughts on this? Maybe I'll turn to you first, uh, Bogani, and then I go to you Lebo. I want to talk a little bit about ideas around net, reutra- net neutrality as well. But let's, let's stay with this idea. Is it leakages? Or companies selling on data that we should uh, be wary of?
2: Um, I would say the leakages we don't have control over. Uh, the selling of data, I think, if you look at GDPR and Poppy Act, um, you know they've tried to actually put measures in place to be able to cover for things that is within the remit of mm-hmm. uh, businesses and being able to control. But the funny thing is, even today, I still get phone calls from people that I don't know, right? Even here in South Africa, when you actually ask, where did you get my number? They tell you a story about like a national database. Like who's controlling the national database? Who has access to that? Like, I just don't know who and they'll never give you details, right? So the point that I'm trying to get, get to is every time when you drive to a place, they give you a paper to sign, you fill in your ID number, you fill in your, your details there. They tell you that it's secure. But what I have found out is the very same security guy is actually selling that paper to a business, right? Mm-hmm. So, so the challenge here is, and you know, what I'm trying to, to, uh, to debate here is, yes, there is an issue of you know, uh, companies legally not being, uh, you know, sh- shouldn't be selling the, 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 the data to uh, third parties. But the reality of it is, I think there's more ways to leak that data more than just the constraints of businesses that we're looking into, right? Mm-hmm. There's many ways of, of people uh, getting the data. I think I'm steering towards, um, you know, what the professor is saying, and also looking at where the future is going. If, you know, being in the technology space for the last 20 years and looking at the future with, for example, the, the inter-trade in, in Africa opening up, what it means is that we're now going to treat Africa as as a country, as opposed to a continent, right, where we are enabling inter-trade in between, what does that mean? It means we need to look at regulations across different com- uh, different countries. We need to look at how do we actually share data, right, between uh, between continents, to be able to enable this intertrade to grow the GDPs of the of the of the um, uh, you know um, local. Um, countries, right? So the issue for me, it's not really at the company level because to some extent that is is somewhat managed, but it is this black market that we can not control, right? So data is going to be leaked in any other way, whether it's through Telegram, whether it's through WhatsApp, whether it's through whatever. At the end of the day, we need to figure out like, how do we protect ourselves in what we share in these platforms? And to Professor's point of view is like, How do we make sure that we are educated around these things? Because the world is going to be driven by technology. There's no way that we can be able to have uh, a pure security that's going to cover us completely. It's it's just a fallacy to be honest.
0: I I hear you. That's a difficult one though and the question is do we all have the know-how and I think that the the reason why people are scared in this space to give up too much and and now starting panicking about migrating out of these community groups or family groups or whatever it might be is exactly that because we don't have the know how and we don't you know we don't always sit on the information that we need to actually protect ourselves and I'm thinking and 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 someone asked a question as well in the chat group that you know what does how does this link in so. You know, in in some ways, it's about services provided online, um, uh, uh, improving data that's being harvested to to improve consumer experiences. On the other hand, then we might give up too much of the security breaches and leaks. But how does that talk to net neutrality? And I think that's a very interesting uh, question and the whole concept of net neutrality. I don't know, Lebo, do you have any thoughts on this?
1: Um, Can I be the last one to answer? This. (laughs) This. <laughs> I'm just having a bit of an issue here, so I want to fix it quickly. <laughs> and yeah,
0: yeah, then I'll yeah, get absolutely yeah. I, I'm going to turn back to, to, to you, Bogani, and then we go to uh, to Professor Solves as well. The, the idea of net neutrality, how does that come into this discussion?
2: I, I think I think that's actually a, a good question, right? And I think when you look at the um you know the the blockchain technology right Mm -hmm. it's actually what's trying to bring that neutrality that we are looking for right what it means is that um, if we can be able to in a digital world have uh, an ability for consumers to control their identity and uh, and and be able to share uh, their identity with the person that they trust because of they can control uh, who has access to that digital uh, digital account uh, that would be one of the ways to be able to manage this neutrality um, in, in how we in, in how we share the data right um, If you look at for example uh, medical records right if I am a patient I live in uh, Johannesburg and I migrate to Cape Town or any other country in Africa, when I get there, I need to start a new profile. I need to create a new identity, but at the same time, I'm, you know, I'm the same person. So if I leave, um, you know, one store here and I go to another store, why is it that I need to register? So if there can be a way to create a single digital identity that I, as a consumer, um, you know, stores or anyone else, can ask me for permission. I will be releasing my digital identity to them on an ad hoc basis or when they need it, right? At this point in time, no one is asking me for my identity, right? They are just fishing all over the place to be able to do whatever that they want. So what can bring a common ground going forward? It is a technology that can enable or give powers to the consumers for them to release access of their identity to the third parties that they wish to Uh, that that, that they wish to provide. So if anyone is trying to call you, they're trying to get access, they can not tap into this digital identity, then you should assume that it's fraudulent, right? So the common place should be anyone asking you from a digital wallet or digital identity online uh, to be able to do whatever. I think that could be one way to solve this problem going forward.
3: Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, Prof. Soms, your thoughts on that? Do you agree?
3: yeah i i as i said from the beginning I'm, I'm i'm very cynical about many of the things i'm cynical about cyberspace i'm cynical about uh, uh programming software nothing can ever be safe in cyberspace every program can be hacked so the the whole concept of creating a cyber safe environment is a little bit of a of a pie in the sky uh, and i i'm straightforward about that We should use what we've got. And I think the idea of what Bungani is saying is absolutely correct. We're doing some very good research in the Center for Cybersecurity on using blockchain for um, granting access to my information. And the whole process of taking control of my own data again in cyberspace and then going into a smart contract with other people saying, I allow you to use this part of my information in a contract which is stored on the blockchain so everybody can see it. So we, we, that that taking back of ownership of our data in cyberspace, I think that's a very, very area that needs a lot of research on because that eventually, if we can start taking it back and we can start creating the type of technologies that referred to that we're trying to develop the idea of personal pods where you have your self protecting environment for your data and you are controlling it. That's what's going to help us uh, to do that. But that's not going to happen in my, in your lifetime because our data is already out there and we're not going to get it back. And we don't know where it is. I've got no idea where my personal data is stored and how many million databases all over the world. It'll have to start from the beginning that we say, once we've got these advanced technologies, we will create a new generation of people which will then start not taking back control, but being given control and then managing their own control over their own personal data in cyberspace. But that's not something that we're going to do by trying to grab what is out there. That's I think it's impossible. We must start a new platform, work on these technologies. Um, at the moment, my, my advice to, and many people contact me about that, is about the WhatsApp thing, carry on, accept the terms and conditions. Don't shoot yourself in the foot with this little bit of extra information. Do it, it's out there anyway but just be be prepared, just be uh, um, critical about people approaching you because they want something from you which they can't get from cyberspace. Mm -hmm. And the fact is, um, all the data that they they harvest, as you call it, they use that to determine, for example, my password. Because if they want to get into my banking profile, they must get my user ID, which in, for many banks is just your account number, which everybody can get, and then a password. And people reuse their passwords. People, people, uh, the password is my dog's name, which is on my Facebook profile. So they 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 harvest that information, and then they go through brute force and try to see what is your real password. And and that's how they get into your profile. And now, bank again speaking banking terms, you must prevent them from creating a new beneficiary to take your money out. Because you can control that, and they can't do that on their own. That's why they're involving you. So, to summarise, I think we need a lot of research in this area. The fourth industrial revolution is going to upturn a lot of things about personal data. We have to watch it, and at a certain point of time, we as consumers will have to say, we don't agree with these new systems. It is just getting too close to the edge, and it's just leaking too much of our information. So that's another activism we'll start to go into saying, we don't like this system. We're not going to use it, but not with WhatsApp. We're too far down the line.
0: Yeah.
3: Can, no, I, also also just, can, can I just, I yeah, I'm going to
0: let you come in, Bogani, because I think yeah. this is really interesting. so just a quick thing, because we have a couple of, of, of questions coming up through the chat as well. And I think we are tanging here the idea of identity theft. And that's, I think that's what people are scared of. That So on the one hand, yes, harvesting data out of these WhatsApp groups where people are there, where it amounts up to something that equates to identity theft on the one hand. On the other hand, there's also this idea that someone is spying on or, or harvesting data out of private conversations, say. But maybe Ipongani do come in.
2: Yeah, I just wanted to, to add, a, you know, something separate to just the messaging platforms. Um, and you would notice on a day-to-day basis, people are spending a lot of time on the internet. You'll get this little button that says, accept cookies, right? And probably 99 of the, 99% of the people, they don't even click that button to read what the privacy of that particular website says, right? They just click to accept. And, you know, technically speaking... The amount of data that is being collected by your behavioral patterns on all of these websites that you go to gives uh, these websites a lot of power to know about you. Forget, forget messaging for a second, but the point is that we have already shared a lot of our personal data outside the uh, outside the messaging the messaging space because of we are we are on the internet every day, right? Um, you know, when we get to a website, you get that button, you just to make sure that it goes away from the screen you actually interact you fill in the forms you click this button like what happens with that data in the background no one questions it but uh, unfortunately whatsapp comes comes in and being open and say like this is what's going to happen and people are now fuming right but it's exactly what you do every day right so it's really what are you sharing what are you concerned about what measures are you putting in place, to Professor's point of view? Like we don't have a single technology that can guard our data um, in 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 today's world. So I just wanted to add that that even besides messaging, there's a lot of things happening that people are not aware of. No, good,
0: and and we're getting the question here. So so. Uh, um, Deepa Patel asked about identity theft, but but also someone is asking about this idea of you know do we so what what are we going to do here to protect ourselves? So someone is say asking so what do we do really? Do we do we read the fine print? So uh, is it so that we are actually do you read your Apple terms and conditions? Uh, Lebo. What do we do to protect ourselves here and how do we educate people and what's what's the fine print that we need to
1: understand and read? You know, I think a lot of marketers are going to be mad at me for my answer, but a lot of people aren't aware of how much they are victims to the design of everything that they consume online and interact with, you know, that cookies icon that comes on, it doesn't just come on there be- just randomly. It's designed and timed to come on there at a specific time and in a specific way because they understand psychologically where you'll be when you're consuming that content and when that thing pops up and that you'll probably be in too much of a rush or too desperate to consume your content or whatever the case may be, but you'll just click accept or they may. Make it really long so that you're not going to read through the whole thing and you'll say you know what i really just want to access this website i'm going to say accept you know, so I don't think uh, people are really speaking about how there is a lot of, I think um, we should be more responsible as marketers and as companies and and not um, make people victims to the way that we do things. You know, I think there is a way to do good marketing and to do good business without exploiting the customer's psychology in that way. And there's a lot of psychological exploitation that happens online that makes us really understand a way of everything that's going on, and so yes, we do need to be educated. That's a great thing. There does need to be innovation in terms of you know um, how we protect our digital identities. But we also need companies to market in a way that doesn't deceive us and that doesn't trick us. You know, uh, that doesn't put the button at a time when they know we'll just click and won't we'll read. You know, I think there needs to be more regulation in terms of that. Mm-hmm.
0: So. What do we do here? So is it so that it's the data usage permissions that's gonna you know save us that we are getting more savvy, we're reading the fine cream, we're ticking that little box that you know gives permission or not permission to use and harvest our data and 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 my thinking is this that you know, so it's on the one hand, and we talked a little bit about it earlier and and Sobs, you touched upon this this idea of educating people, and I think that's that's what you've all alluded to and you you now as well Lebo. but how do we how do we really do that so when we talk and we stay in the realm of of these ideas of, you know, building communities online, where we want to be able to connect with all school friends from from high school or building communities, professional communities uh, in our work lab spaces or whatever it might be. Can we continue doing this while also then being savvy about how we protect our data? What are your thoughts on this? How do we protect ourselves while still then being able to build communities and
1: reach out? I think that's the trick, isn't it? The fact that when you are online, you're engaging with people that you trust. And so your guard is down. And so you don't think to yourself, am I giving away data that I don't want to give away? Is somebody seeing the things that I don't want them to see? Because everyone you've surrounded yourself with online are people you trust. And that's that's the key with social media and these uh, messaging platforms that because relationships have been built, Trust has been built. And when people trust things, they don't scrutinize them and they don't um, engage with those things and use them critically you know, because they feel so comfortable. And I think that's the key. And that's why I'm saying marketing plays such a big role in this, because we understand that when people's guards are down, uh, we understand that when they see something flashing in a certain way, uh, we will have, you know, we will have met the regulation. We will have told people these are the terms and conditions, but we know they won't have read it. Or we know that, um, straight after seeing it, we put another pop-up, they'll buy the product because of this and this, or they'll click a weird little email with a link or whatever the key Case may be because actually it's coming in a group with all of their friends and family. Mm-hmm. So I think that there's a lot of work that has to be done and it's not easy to find ways of how do we educate people and how do we teach them to still be uh, wary and to still be aware whilst still engaging with people that they trust and in the communities that they feel comfortable in.
0: Someone is making uh, notes about this on, on the chat group as well, this idea that uh, you know, it, is it really so that you know these are the big evil companies? And I think as Mario's mm-hmm. actually alluded to this. You know, uh, it's not you know so that all uh, social media. Is evil, or, or 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 trying to deceive us, or even you know the smaller platforms. I imagine that you know, uh, you know, tuning in to your podcast, for example, you know, so the Level Line uh, podcast is something that we do with a great amount of, of enthusiasm and, and and trust, for example. But we we'll yes. come back to that as well. So uh, Bongani and 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 Professor you, when you when you talk about it. Uh, um, earlier, both 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 you Basia, but also you Bongani, about this idea of protecting ourselves in in cyberspace. What's the trade off between trust in this environment and then also uh, protecting ourselves? What do we do, and how can we do
3: it? Well, I think that the trust issue is 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 very important. Uh, and you trust the people in your WhatsApp group, uh, like really trust them. Um, But very often that trust is naively trusted and expanded to other people. So if somebody phones you or sends you an email, oh yes, email, uh, internet is safe. So let let, I trust the guy. But I want to make this point too. Every technology in the world has got a good side and a bad side. And we must not throw out the baby with the bathwater. The internet and cyberspace, And the World Wide Web has provided immense benefit to the world, and it will keep doing that. We are using it beneficially for every one of us. There is a dark side, and we must accept the dark side is there. We must accept that if we use these uh, cyberspace, our data will be stored in cyberspace. There are inscrupulous people that will sell the data. doesn't matter which law you've got. Our poppy act is very, very nice, but I'm a little bit skeptical whether it's going to address anything really because the companies that really want the cyber criminals, do you think they're going to say, oh, oh sorry, I can't do this as a poppy law or that the cyber criminals saying, oh, I, I cannot own this gun because it is unlicensed. It just doesn't happen like that. And we must change, and I come back to that, we must change our mindset in living in this cyberspace. Use the benefits absolutely to the hilt, but may accept and recognize the fact that you must watch out, you mustn't trust everybody, and you will be attacked, and you must protect yourself.
0: No, thank you for that. And I'm gonna to turn to you now, Bongani, because I think that, you know, the question really here is about you know the the trade-offs then and how we how we do this so uh, i might be someone who considers myself that i never hand over my my private uh, you know pin code or or, or uh, bank account numbers or whatever it might be on a on an online uh, platform that that you know but that i've just joined or whatever you know and when it comes to many of these messaging platforms you know it will be supposedly the innocent but how innocent is it really when we start talking about them and you know um, uh, information about our children and 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 the dog's name or whatever it is that you alluded to, Vasya uh, earlier as well? But um, you know, how do we really protect ourselves and what's the where does do, where do we draw the, draw the line and how can we educate maybe the broader masses about the risks?
2: Yeah, um, you know, I, I would maybe put this this comment forward. Um, Anything that is human-created, it will never fully benefit humans 100%. That is the reality. It doesn't matter how you look at it. And the reason for it comes back to what uh, Basi said. There are good people, there are bad people. It's a given, right? There's nothing that we can do about it. Um, Anything that is human-created, we try and come up with ways to enable uh, you know, people to, to live their lives better. But there's an opposite side to that. And when I look at the benefits of us being online and using all of these messages, it's created an ability for the first time for humans to be able to interact worldwide and get opportunities. We are going into, uh, in the near future, into a space where a lot of people are not going to want to be employed full time. They're just gonna be gig workers, right? What that means is that you could be doing two hours of work in the US while you're in South Africa, you could be doing three hours in Nigeria while you're in South Africa, et cetera, et cetera. What that means is that you always have to be online in order for you to be able to share and communicate and share opportunities. That is the advantage of what these, these platforms are bringing. The dark side of it is, as part of sharing all of that information, Uh, if you don't want to be part of that community and the evolution of life, you are now going to lose out on the opportunities that are available beyond the people that you are seeing on a day-to-day basis. So your question of like, what are we losing? We're losing uh, uh, the opportunities that are presenting themselves online through Facebook, WhatsApp channels, uh, different groups, meeting people. That is what you're losing, right? And what it then means is that you are actually protecting a or you know a small portion of your life in losing the rest of the opportunities that are available worldwide so that's how i look at it so what needs to be done be part of the community right figure out the opportunities that are there online be able to to talk to people but at the same time educate yourself on what do you want to share on which platform what is important to actually talk about in these platforms so that should anything happen you are not losing a lot of what you've already built, right? Protect yourself. Both LinkedIn, uh, you know, all of these social uh, social uh, platforms. It is important to be part of them, in my point of view. But protect yourself and know why you are tapping into a particular social media platform.
0: Yeah, Lebo, um, the 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 idea then of of, of yes. So what I, what I hear here is. Don't mug it. I mean, I hear Basi being quite sceptical. I hear Basi say, you know, no, don't, you know, don't lose the sense of community, engage. There are opportunities the here, and I, you know, you're all saying this actually in various ways, but with this with this caveat then that we need to protect ourselves. But but is it is it really that easy, and do we sit on that knowledge already you know is it so that we are actually aware of the risks and the trade-offs here or is it so that we should just launch ourselves into this new world and see the opportunities level
1: I don't think that we are aware of the risks as average consumers but I also feel like the opportunities outweigh the risks, as Bangani was saying, and as Prof was saying, you know. Mm-hmm. And so you really, anything that you choose to do, anything that you choose to partake in any environment, whether it's offline or online, you do need to do your research. You do need to equip yourself with the knowledge and the tools that help you stay safe in that environment, you know. And I think a lot of the time when people are um, interacting online, when they're doing business online, they don't see it the way that they would see offline experiences experiences and transactions. And so that's what makes them victims to the space. And a lot of the time when I do my training with SMEs, I always teach them, think of your online store, for example, as a store, brick and mortar store. What are the things that you would need in that store to make it safe? What are the things that you need in that store to make it a good experience for your customer? And how do we convert that into an online experience? How do we convert that into online safety? A lot of people have trouble understanding what it means to be a digital c- citizen. You know, what does my digital identity mean? What can I do with it online? Um, And how do I use it? You know? And I think what's really great and what I feel a bit optimistic about is that as time goes by, the online consumer is getting smarter and smarter, you know? And so it's getting harder and harder to trick them. It's getting harder and harder to trick them with the marketing. It's getting harder and harder to trick them with uh, scams and funny things like that. So it's, I I think there are opportunities for, for business. There are opportunities for innovation and I, I'd like to see this privacy issue as an opportunity and I think we're going to be seeing a lot more businesses that are invested in these opportunities and that's a good thing you know so for me I think there are the opportunities outweigh the risks of being online and we and the education comes with the digital dwelling um, with um, investing more in the online space whether you're investing in relationships or in commerce or whatever the case may be the more invested you are the more you learn the smarter you become and yes that's what i think
0: that's fantastic and i think that sums it up quite well as well we are running out of time i mean this hour just flies by always and i think that there's so much more we should talk and debate about but so let's come back then to these uh, particular messaging apps and the communities that we are building as we where we started out and i want just a quick round from you know um, um, from you all to get a sense of so are we are we staying on these messaging um, apps or uh, or are we not? So for those sitting out, you know, joined us today online. We're wondering, you know, do I stay now on on on? And we have already mentioned thrown names around here, you know. But do I do I stay on Facebook? Do I stay on WhatsApp? Do I stay on Messenger? All of these, you know, apps that we have become, and or, or do I migrate to others who are coming there with promises of actually being more mindful and protective of our privacy and not selling on data to third third parties? I don't know. Quick few comments from you all. Basi, you go first.
3: Uh, very quickly, um, I think stay where you are. Don't migrate because you're not going to solve the problem. It's like saying I've got this car. I'm, uh, it's not safe. I'm going to buy another car, which is safer, but I still drive on the same unsafe roads where other people are unsafe. So stay where you're comfortable. Just just don't be naive. Just realize you're paying for this free service with your data Consider that. Uh, uh, realize people are going to try to misuse it to 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 get to catch you out, and think on your feet. But carry on what you're doing. You're going to get more problems by trying to switch to anything else.
0: Mm. Okay. So 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 I, I I I take your point there. You know, if you're on the highway, stick to the stick to, stick to the speed limit.
3: Absolutely. Yeah, we're, we're a sure you've got good tires on your car. <laughs>
2: Bongani. Um, yeah, I think uh, you know probably a lot of the people who are online currently, who probably uh, have decided to migrate to other apps. I would argue that 90%, if not more of the people joined uh, Signal, joined Telegram, but they never read the privacy mm-hmm. of those platforms. So it begs to question, if you are migrating to another platform where you don't have a clue of their own privacy, uh, you know, uh, rules and regulation, what what actually prompted you to migrate? Because I would argue that the reason why companies, uh, Facebook bought WhatsApp, it's because of they actually want to increase, um, you know, that value as a company by being able to gather all of that data and behavioral patterns of, uh, of, of of people what it then means is that if telegram is gaining 25 million users in one week you can imagine the 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 possibilities that it opens up to telegram in terms of what they can start to do with their data so what it then means is that 12 months later we could find ourselves in the same position by migrating to a different platform because of they've got so much so much data that they can start to monetize so to, to to professor's point of view I don't think that migrating to a different platform without actually knowing what the future of those platforms mean actually makes sense, right? And I, I actually think, have a gut feel yeah. that we're going to get to May and, um, you know, the policies are going to be implemented, but it's not going to mean anything uh, to to, to these new platforms, to be honest. Right. People are not going to move.
0: I think that was Lebo's point earlier as well. And, 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 and I thank you for that. So I think that we all need to be wary of how we do this, but but stay communicating with each other. But be wary of the frameworks and 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 how we actually engage on these online platforms. So we need to particularly teach our younger members uh, uh, of, of you know uh, our kids about this, and I think that's really important. And maybe have proper discussions about it. Uh, thank you so much, colleagues. We have run out of time. It's gone very quickly. I'm truly grateful to you. Uh, to all three of you, Vasi, Pongani, Lebo, thank you very, very much. And I do hope that we can call upon you again. And on the 12th of May, colleagues and friends that have joined us online, we're going to talk about cryptocurrencies. And I think that's also one one of these areas where people are asking, what's cryptocurrencies, what are the risks, uh, issues around it. And I think that all of these questions will will kind of come to the fore again. So I. Thank you all, and, and I wish you a really, truly good evening. I hope that we will engage, engage soon again. And as I say, uh, if not before, then on the 12th of May, when we will be talking about the risks and ideas around, and maybe fears around, cryptocurrencies and the benefits and, uh, as well, of course. So have a lovely evening, uh, everyone,
1: and God bless.
2: The University of Johannesburg, the future reimagined.